Part Two of the Nightingale. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ellie. The Snow Queen and Other Stories by Hans Christian Andersen. Translated by H. B. Paul. The Nightingale, Part Two. One day the emperor received a large packet on which was written the nightingale. Here is no doubt a new book about our celebrated bird, said the emperor, but instead of a book it was a work of art contained in a casket, an artificial nightingale made to look like a living one, and covered all over with diamonds, rubies, and sapphires. As soon as the artificial bird was wound up, it could sing like a real one, and could move its tail up and down, which sparkled with silver and gold. Round its neck hung a piece of ribbon on which was written, the emperor of japan's nightingale is poor compared to that of the emperor of china's this is very beautiful exclaimed all who saw it and he who had brought the artificial bird received the title of imperial nightingale bringer in chief now they must sing together said the court and what a duet it will be but they did not get on well for the real nightingale sang in its own natural way but the artificial bird sang only waltzes that is not the fault said the music master it is quite perfect to my taste so then it had to sing alone and was as successful as the real bird besides it was so much prettier to look at for it sparkled like bracelets and breastpins three and thirty times did it sing the same tunes without being tired the people would gladly have heard it again but the emperor said the living nightingale ought to sing something but where was she no one had noticed her when she flew out at the open window back to her own green woods what a strange conduct said the emperor when her flight had been discovered and all the courtiers blamed her and said she was a very ungrateful creature but we have the best bird after all said one and then they would have the bird sing again although it was the thirty-fourth time they had listened to the same piece and even then they had not learned it for it was rather difficult but the music-master praised the bird in the highest degree and even asserted that it was better than the real nightingale not only in its dress and beautiful diamonds but also in its musical power for you must perceive my chief lord and emperor that with the real nightingale we can never tell what is going to be sung but with this bird everything is settled it can be opened and explained so that people may understand how the waltzes are formed and why one note follows upon another this is exactly what we think they all replied and then the music-master received permission to exhibit the bird to the people on the following sunday and the emperor commanded that they should be present to hear it sing when they heard it they were like people intoxicated however it must have been with drinking tea which is quite a chinese custom they all said oh and held up their forefingers and nodded but the poor fisherman who had heard the real nightingale said it sounds pretty enough and the melodies are all alike yet there seems something wanting i cannot exactly tell what and after this the real nightingale was banished from the empire and the artificial bird placed on a silk cushion close to the emperor's bed the presents of gold and precious stones which had been received with it were round the bird and it was now advanced to the title of little imperial toilet singer and to the rank of number one on the left hand for the emperor considered the left side on which the heart lies as the most noble and the heart of an emperor's is in the same place as that of other people the music-master wrote the work in twenty-five volumes about the artificial bird which was very learned and very long and full of the most difficult chinese words yet all the people said they had read it and understood it for fear of being thought stupid and having their bodies trampled upon so a year passed and the emperor the court and all the other chinese knew every little turn in the artificial bird's song 
and for that same reason it pleased them better. They could sing with the bird, which they often did. The street boys sang, see, see, cluck, 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 and the emperor himself could sing it also. It was really most amusing. One evening, when the artificial bird was singing its best, and the emperor lay in bed listening to it, something inside the bird sounded with. Then a spring cracked. Whirr went all the wheels, running round, and then the music stopped. The emperor immediately sprang out of bed and called for his physician. But what could he do? Then they sent for the watchmaker, and after a great deal of talking and examination, the bird was put into something like order. But he said it must be used very carefully, as the barrels were worn, and it would be impossible to put in new ones without injuring the music. Now there was great sorrow, as the bird could only be allowed to play once a year, and even that was dangerous for the works inside it. Then the music master made a little speech, full of hard words, and declared that the bird was as good as ever, and, of course, no one contradicted him. Five years passed, and then a real grief came upon the land. The Chinese really were fond of the emperor, and now he lay so ill that he wasn't expected to live. Already a new emperor had been chosen, and the people who stood in the street asked the lord-in-waiting how the old emperor was, but he only said poo and shook his head. Cold and pale lay the emperor in his royal bed. The whole court thought he was dead, and everyone ran away to pay homage to his successor. The chamberlains went out to have a talk on the matter, and the ladies' maids invited company to take coffee. Cloths had been laid down in the halls and passages, so that not a footstep could be heard, and all was silent and still. But the emperor was not yet dead, although he lay white and stiff on his gorgeous bed, with the long velvet curtains and heavy gold tassels. A window stood open, and the moon shone in upon the emperor and the artificial bird. The poor emperor, finding who could scarcely breathe with a strange weight on his chest, opened his eyes and saw death sitting there. All around the bed and peeping through the long velvet curtains were a number of strange heads, some very ugly, others lovely and gentle-looking. These were the emperor's good and bad deeds, which stared him in the face, now death sat at his heart. Do you remember this? Do you recollect that? they asked after one another, thus bringing to his remembrance circumstances which made the perspiration stand on his brow. I know nothing about it, said the emperor. Music, music, he cried the large Chinese drum, that they may not hear what they say. But they still went on, and death nodded like a Chinaman to all they said. Music, music, shouted the emperor. You precious golden bird, sing, pray sing. I've given you gold and costly presents. I've even hung my golden slipper around your neck. Sing, sing. But the bird remained silent. There was no one to wind it up, and therefore it could not sing a note. Death continued to stare at the emperor with his cold, hollow eyes, and the room was fearfully still. Suddenly there came through the open window the sound of sweet music. Outside on the bow of a tree sat the living nightingale. She had heard of the emperor's illness, and was therefore come to sing to him of hope and trust. And as she sang, the shadows grew paler and paler, the blood in the emperor's veins flowed more rapidly, and gave life to his weak limbs, and even Death himself listened and said, Go on, little nightingale, go on. Then will you give me the beautiful golden sword and the rich banner, and will you give me the emperor's crown, said the bird. So Death gave up each of these treasures for a song, and the nightingale continued her singing. She sang of the quiet churchyard, where the white roses grow, where the elder tree wafts its perfume on the breeze, and the fresh sweet grass is moistened by the moon's tears. Then Death longed to go and see his garden, and floated out through the window in the form of a cold white mist. Thanks, thanks, you heavenly little bird, I know you well. I banished you from my kingdom once, and yet you have charmed away the evil faces from my bed, and banished death from my heart with your song. 
How can I reward you? You have already rewarded me, said the nightingale. I shall never forget that I drew tears from your eyes the first time I sang to you. These are the jewels that rejoice the singer's heart. But now sleep and grow strong and well again. I will sing for you again. And as she sang, the emperor fell into a sweet sleep. And how mild and refreshing that slumber was. When he awoke, strengthened and restored, the sun shone brightly through the window. But not one of his servants returned. They all believed he was dead. Only the nightingale still sat beside him and sang. You must always remain with me, said the emperor. You shall sing only when it pleases you, and I will break the artificial bird into a thousand pieces. No, do not do that, replied the nightingale. The bird did very well as long as it could. Keep it here still. I cannot live in the palace and build my nest, but let me come when I like. I will sit on a bow outside your window in the evening and sing to you, so that you may be happy and have thoughts full of joy. I will sing to you of those who are happy and those who suffer, of the good and the evil, who are hidden around you. The little singing bird flies far from you, and you are caught to the home of the fisherman and the peasant's cot. I love your heart better than your crown, and yet something holy lingers around it also. I will come, I will sing to you, but you must promise me one thing. Everything, said the emperor, who, having dressed himself in his imperial robes, stood with the hand that held the heavy golden sword pressed to his heart. I only ask one thing, she replied. Let no one know that you have a little bird who tells you everything. It will be the best to conceal it. So saying, the nightingale flew away. The servants now came in to look after the dead emperor. When lo, there he stood, and to their astonishment said, Good morning. End of part two of the nightingale. Recording by Ellie, July 2010.